Today, This American Dice presents more GM advice with Austin and David. I am here with David. That's me. Also, Austin's here. uh, And that's me. And today, we are once again going to hop back into uh, Game Master advice. Some extra advice on uh, running a game, and even some advice on playing a a role-playing game um, based on the collective 50-something years of experience of doing this poorly that the two of us have. Wow. So, judgment passed. Um, it'll mostly be a lot of mistakes and how, w- what mistakes you shouldn't make, I guess. But we've talked about some of our GM advice stuff in regard to a very specific topic in previous episodes. We talked about, uh, I talked about uh, mysteries and hierarchies, and then David and I had discussed um, kind of more specific stuff about a particular game after we finished our long-running Legend of the Five Rings game, uh, myself and Lee sat down and talked about uh, things about running a game when it came to, like after we had finished our Dungeon World game about the Black Stallions, or the hunt for the Black Stallions. But today we're just going to talk about a few topics, and um, hopefully that can give you some advice on what to do in your game or what not to do. So... Ooh, actually, slight change of plans. We had originally sat down to talk about a few different topics, and we did, but for more than an hour and 20 minutes. So instead, I'm just going to split that up. I'm going to give you one today, and then next week we'll give the other so it's not too much to endure of two yahoos yammering on, like, candy DMs. So our first topic is something that you're always warned against doing in especially Dungeons & Dragons, and that is... Splitting the party. Splitting the party. So, what... I think, like, old school logic says, do not split the party. Why do you think that is? Um, I, my guess would be because D&D is always... It's a perfect game, isn't it? It's so balanced and uh, mathematically accurate in every way possible, according to the people who made it only. So I think it's a perfect sphere. You cannot yeah. find a flaw, and it's and it's uh, how did how did these ancients from the rough stone hewn this mighty gem? Love that ancient aliens episode. Yeah, talking about D and D. Yeah, Gary Gygax was a Klingon. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think even now, like with fifth edition too, they uh, it's so well or you know theoretically so well balanced that if you have one or more characters from your party leave and do something else, then that's half of your, you know, uh, might or your mathematic numbers against these uh, different perfectly uh, balanced or at least uh, tailored, I should say, perfectly tailored encounters for you. So would you say it's at least the old thought about it was much more mechanical that, you know, you need, you're going into this dungeon, you need your cleric, your wizard, your fighter, your thief... And if you are missing one of those people, you don't have the tools necessary to go into this and do this. Yeah, that, that would be my thought of why that became a thing. Also, do you think that also comes from like an older idea of not only just dungeon crawling, but uh, like utilizing a lot of pre-published stuff? Or like, I've made the, or even just, I've made this dungeon already. If you go into rooms, room three, there's four orcs in there. 
period. Yeah. I believe that. Especially the early earlier editions when this probably uh, thought came up. It was a lot more deadly, too. Whereas maybe nowadays it's going to just turn into a, a very long encounter, perhaps, uh, if you split up. Then it might be, oh, well, I guess i got to roll up another character in the middle of the session. So that's the kind of the old school, I think, mechanical reasoning for it. I think even outside of those mechanical mechanical games, you know, <laughs> like a fucking <laughs> you're playing pinball. Mm-hmm. Um, no, uh, I think even outside of those very like crunchy games, um, there's still some hesitance to split the party up. And that hesitance comes out of not mechanical worry. Because in like uh, Apocalypse World, for example, or a lot of the Powered by the Apocalypse games, which we play a lot of, mm-hmm. um, splitting the party mechanically is rarely that big of a deal. Uh, mechanically. It's encouraged. It's one of the, the GM moves, right? Yes. Yes, it is. It's, it's very much encouraged. And I think the style of play that it in, encourages... And just the tone of the folks, the tone of the games that I've experienced always split the party up a lot. Mm-hmm. The hesitance with that, though, is not a mechanical problem, but now you have a bunch of players sitting around who aren't in the scene at all. And so if I've got a scene with, I'm going to try to remember back to some of our earlier games so as not to give anything away. Um, if I've got a scene just with um, your character in our L5R game, Mm-hmm. Um, whose name escapes me. Tayo? Even. Yep, Bayushi Tayo. Sure. So if Bayushi Tayo is doing something and speaking to these people in secret, the other characters inherently are not there. Mm-hmm. So Andrew, Tone, and Brendan are sitting with their hands in their pockets and just right. waiting for this scene to end, and then we get to the other one. And if we're doing individual scenes for everybody, which a lot of Apocalypse World games I feel really benefit from, Yeah. of... The characters aren't together a bunch. The whole crew of PCs aren't together a lot. Instead, you see each person's little story unfolding. Um, I think that it becomes really good, but for players, they're just sitting there. So I guess what we have to figure out now is what advice we can give to people to surmount these two terrible uh, problems with splitting the party. Yeah, uh... That sucks, because for me, I love that. I love um, just watching people play, usually, or just listening, I guess, however it is. Um, But Some kind of nerd voyeur. Yeah, um, but I I definitely know and have witnessed firsthand that some people, maybe the slight majority of players, are just like, well, this is boring as fuck. I'm going to, what's on my phone? I'm going to play some Raid Legends now. Is that, what they, is that what that game was? Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but yeah, I think there are some ways you can get around that, perhaps. Um, especially as the, the GM kind of person. Like, uh, if you kind of offer the, the other players, that the un, inactive players, I guess, some kind of um, like buy-in to the scene. Like that, uh, that paint-the-scene kind of a tool that people use. You can kind of do a mini version Give me a give me an example of that in action in case people don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, so if you have some kind of theme or um, mood or something that you're trying to get across um, when you're making up making a scene or setting the scene, I should say, um, 
it's really fun and I mean for everybody involved if you kind of give the players some uh you know some freedom to do that for you as long as you're very specific about what you need like let's say uh I don't know what's what's an example of a scene. Maybe a you're you're going into a, a a dungeon, an actual dungeon, a prison, medieval prison, and you say, "All right, well, Austin, um, as soon as you walk down these steps and enter this musky dungeon, my hand goes to my saber. No, no, not yet. Okay, <laughs> uh, you you get feelings of um. Let's see, what would be a, what would be a good mood for this, right? Uh, sadness or uh. Or disgust. Something disgusts you here. Something disgusts you and make you makes you sad. Like as soon as you step foot, what what's an example of that? So my player is the one in this dungeon, and you're asking me to describe a thing that I'm seeing. Yeah. Okay. And you can do that for them, but then it's like the little secret trick is that if you're not there, say okay, well, um, what would be something else that Austin's character like sees that might disgust or make him sad like what's another detail you can give so okay. that everyone kind of uh puts in their own little you know touches onto this scene that just the one player or the few players are in and they kind of have more buy-in on like oh i wonder how they're gonna deal with that sad scorpion crying in the corner that i just talked about i think we had uh, the elf of our game had some good examples of that i think um I started to do a lot of, uh, I would call them like cold open scenes to get more character background from you guys. And so um, one was with Andrew's character of like, all right, here's all this stuff from years ago at your brother's wedding. Mm -hmm. And we went through, I think, his brother's wedding, his wife having a baby or something like that, and like all these different things. And I think one of the things that the brother's wedding was I went around and just asked everybody, tell me a way that you can tell these characters are, even though this is an arranged marriage, these characters really love one another. And um, everybody went around. And then I took your advice. And I forget if I stopped it with Andrew, because it was his scene. But then I asked him a question that subverted that. Mm -hmm. And so it was, you know, all right, everybody... Go around and tell me how the, you know these characters are really in love, even though this is this arranged marriage from these people who've probably met each other maybe twice in their lives. Mm -hmm. How can you tell that they're really in love? And then at the end, three people said, you know, they do this, they do this thing, we can see them looking at each other like this. They're... And then it get, got to Andrew, and it was, you know, what makes you doubt that completely? Mm -hmm. Like, what makes you think that's not the case? Yeah. Um, so... And you call that painting the scene? Yeah, and uh, I, I don't know if if he made made it up specifically, but the first place I heard that was um, at the with the gauntlet people. The I think Jason Cordova specifically, hmm. like the host of that, kind of a uh, spelled that technique out really well. I don't okay. know if he originated it, but he explained it very well. That is a pretty good thing. So bring other character, bring the players in on helping you construct the scenes for for player characters when their players aren't involved. Let me rephrase that because that was an incredibly confusing thing. So, when there's only when there are pl when there are players whose PCs are not in a scene, ask those out players, players out of the scene, not like out of the closet players. Sure. <laughs> um, 
ask them to get involved with helping to craft the scene or create the scene or contribute in some way to that. Yeah, and just kind of any details that aren't really required for the story that you're doing. Like, just always be ready to pass that off to somebody else. Like, oh, this new NPC comes in, um, and I know I, I want them to be very regal and, you know, uh, stately and nice to these people, but with some, some like, huge authority. So you can just, if you don't have the details written down yet, you can just say, like, hey, you, Brandon, you're not in this scene specifically, but what's what's a detail that kind of conveys this person has such authority just by looking at them? What would, what would be cool? What's a good way to see that immediately? Okay. And that kind of keeps them engaged and also kind of gives them some of, some sort of ownership over the scene that yeah. they're not particularly in. I can remember years and years back, um, we played, I don't know if you ever played this, but with Andrew and Haley and Kyle and Justin and like yeah. an, an ever-increasing number of players who were never really there and never really involved fully. Mm-hmm. Um, it started off as just a game that Andrew was running for Haley, and it was that Star Wars game. And My hand goes to my lightsaber. Yeah, my hand goes to my lightsaber when the old man passes me by on the street. Uh, I remember that Andrew started to get a little annoyed because folks would kind of turn off when it wasn't their turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I had like a crazy sleep schedule. So there would be times where I would actually kind of nod off. <laughs> right. And I think people were getting kind of like offended that like, hey, this is the scene with my character and you're just straight up like, I'm going to take a nap. And so giving people that buy-in would kind of help out. I do think that you have to, you've got to be, you've got to be willing to rein people in with that. Like if the thing that they come up with is off the, is off tone or off, uh, yeah, because that can really happen. That's, um, that's why it's real important to kind of say, oh, what, what's the detail that, um, conveys this person's like sense or kind of image of authority or yeah. like air of authority instead of what's something cool about this character because they'll be like he's got seven dicks yeah it's like god damn it he has a <laughs> he has a pin of Cartman saying respect my authority so you know he's awesome um, <laughs> oh no yeah you got me yeah I mean you could also go the other way where a person could be like where you said like oh you're in a dungeon it's there what what has is this sense of despair mm-hmm. it's like oh there's a rat chewing on a baby that's like still barely alive <laughs> and like you can see it and it's like there's no way that it's gonna make it out of here this baby's gonna live but and you could go too far with the other yeah. thing but just I think hear the idea and then adjust it and then I think a thing that comes out of that that becomes important is, there's a term for this, but I forget, uh, where then you wrap everything up. Where after you've gone around the table and said, what does everybody see? And they give you the, this is how I think it's uh, a, full of, a dungeon full of despair. This is how I'm very scared. This is why uh, this, this, this. Then take all those things together and you can polish out some of those rough edges as you're going through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that can help out. Yeah, what is that term? There is there's know. something for it. Just wrapping up the scene or yeah. bookending the scene with that description. Yeah. Um, an- another good tip, uh, aside from that, like especially when you're starting the scene or describing something, is just find a way for this um, 
you know, especially if it's like an NPC PC conversation, this is a like an apocalypse world thing. Um, just have them talk about the PCs that aren't in the scene. Oh, have them bring that so, up, like okay. the triangles, you know. So be the out PCs. Have them be the subject of the conversation. Yeah. Nothing will catch your entrance fast. Oh, let me try that again. Nothing will catch somebody's interest faster than hearing their name, right? Who was so the Who was the How to win friends and influence people? That guy oh. who like was like the the best thing anybody can hear is the <laughs> right. sound of their own name. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. So if if you can find a way to uh, get any or all of the other people into this conversation or thing that's happening without them, definitely try to do that. Um, another thing about splitting the party in regard to kind of like the idea of sharing the spotlight and people being out of the spotlight and being bothered by that, this is harder to do with more serious games. This is also harder to do with games where you have a very specific idea of how it's supposed to work. Uh-huh. But, where am I going to go with this? Um, having the out PCs play NPCs. Mm-hmm. So that way... You know, when you go into a bar, your character goes into a bar, and uh, you're there to meet with this important NPC, and there's the bartender, and the bartender only has to be in the scene for a a little bit, so you can kind of have that moment where before you meet this cool fixer, there you're kind of talking to this bartender, have another PC be the bartender. Mm -hmm. That scene will almost always go on longer than Uh it otherwise would have, because now this person wants to be this character um but and sometimes those scenes can be a lot of fun especially if the game isn't serious because Mm -hmm. now this bartender can constantly like a waiter in like a bad jerry lewis movie keep getting involved in everybody's business um as you're trying to have this serious conversation about like we need to move the stuff tonight uh Mm -hmm. but Again, you need to be willing for that to be real crazy. Yeah. And you can even try to give, if you have the time to prep, you could write up some descriptions of this NPC and say, I'm going to need you to play this NPC since it's just going to be so-and-so in the scene. So since it's just so-and-so, David, can you play this bartender? Um, I think one of the first times we did that was... We, in that New Orleans Supernatural Investigators game that we played. Right. What was that called? It wasn't Inspectors. It was like... Uh, Paranormal Investigators, I think right? it was just Paranormal yeah. Investigators. And so we we did that, and I remember there was like a plot line with... Uh, where you needed... Uh, I was like Delacroix. Yeah, Andrew's character needed to go to a bar that was kind of a shadier bar um, to meet with... Uh, to, like, get a connection to this other character, who I think was a vampire. Mm. And so I was like, oh, David, be this character. Here's his thing. And I think we even did some of that, like, what is he wearing that's, like, an outlandish outfit? Mm. And uh, that kind of deal. And then you just kind of ran through that. Um, But, again, those things can kind of go off the rails, and you have to be willing to kind of bring them back in. Yeah. at times and be willing to allow like a certain amount of wiggle room with that where it's going to get a little crazier it's going to be a little more nuts yeah 
remember, I mean, back then, I think I might be more down for it now, but I remember back then, I, as a player, I wasn't super into doing that. I was like, I don't know about this. Although as a GM, I like doing that a lot because I'm like, I, I always hate and try to avoid having the uh, NPCs talk to each other, like having myself, just a conversation with myself, yeah. and having someone else just, hey, here's this index card. Can you just fill in for me right now? That's really handy. But I remember at the time, I was just like, I don't know about that. Although now we've played so many games, like uh, like Final Girl and stuff, where you're switching characters multiple times a game. I think I could probably handle it now, but I remember I, it was very jarring at first. I think that... Uh there are people who are made uncomfortable by being in a scene alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've even fairly recently had it where like, we've done some, like, okay, let's do this background scene or let's do this one scene. And it was just, I remember Lee had said, you know, I don't really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And I think there are some people who they're playing the game as like a more social aspect. So when it's just them talking to the GM, it's less interesting Mm. Um, and especially if it's a more serious scene where everybody's not like throwing in ideas and making jokes and that kind of stuff they feel like the social aspect is cut off Um, there's other people who maybe feel that it's more pressure because it's like well it's just me so now I have to Mm. perform in this way for everybody else at the table and to kind of make this stuff more interesting. And if you're recording that, then for some people that becomes an even bigger deal because now this is like, all right, this is your scene where it's just you on screen. Um, But, and honestly, I don't have a good solution for that. I mean, maybe bring in other players as those NPCs that could help the situation. Um, Maybe try to make those scenes shorter if a person doesn't feel as comfortable doing stuff in character, um, I mean, that's something you can always really do, but just flat out tell them, like, we can go through this quickly and you can just kind of tell me how this works and you mm-hmm. don't have to go through the dialogue. And yeah, you the, can just the kind writer of, stance instead of the actor stance. Kind yeah, of. you can just kind of hit the bullet points of what the conversation was about mm-hmm. rather than go through what actually was said. Yeah, that's and a I good think, point. I've, I've definitely been there, too, but I wasn't thinking of that that's a good point yeah I just think that there's um, there's some folks who just aren't comfortable as comfortable with it mm-hmm. um, mechanically uh, so but otherwise there's a discussion about sharing the spotlight yeah times to cut from one character to another character yeah I was wondering if you were going to bring this up too yeah I think there, there have been some really good suggestions from the gauntlet guys Mm-hmm. I think about that in like combat in Dungeon World um, but in especially just like long scenes where you're just kind of chatting with people and doing stuff and you're hopping back and forth in the um, in the L5R game we had a lot of scenes where you're going to talk with somebody and meet with them and have this discussion find out this thing work some kind of deal and then that's and then at some point you're like okay thanks goodbye you know what I mean it's the end of the law and order scene where they're like all right we got whatever information from this guy unloading boxes now we leave and we go talk to somebody else um, any suggestions on that on like when to how to hop around yeah so uh, it's not just like okay David's it's not the David show for forty five minutes yeah until it eventually ends and then we go to somebody else's thing yeah you can. You can steal a lot of 
writing advice to apply here pretty easily. It's a uh, just, I mean, just watch any kind of, you know, the what the golden age of TV shows, like Sopranos or anything on HBO or whatever, uh, any good show that you are watching currently, um, and just kind of, um, like drama show, I guess I should say, kind of uh, pay extra special attention to when they change scenes, because often it's not in the middle of this, or it's not at the end of the scene. They might come back to that same conversation. So it's usually like at a cliffhanger. Like whenever anyone says, like if you're having a, let's say a, a meeting between <laughs> detectives, which never happened in L5R. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone says something interesting, like a punctuation thing, or what do you mean this? Or I, as an example. Or when there's like a big, or there's a reveal of some kind or another. Yeah. Or so, someone, you know, actually gets aggressive or something. Um, switch that to if you have another character just go there and just like let's go well hold that let's hold that thought let's go over this thing and the dungeon world thing I think you were talking about another good time is whenever a die result happens like uh, especially in the um, Power by the Apocalypse uh, stuff when it's a 7 to 9 um, and you're like I don't know what to do right now just say oh whoa that's going to be crazy and uh you know, bite bite your lip and just like I th- hope, hopefully I'll be able to think of something because next time let's go over to see what the other group's doing, and then that'll give you some time to think about it and also will be a really good kind of cliffhanger for these people that just rolled the dice. Does that make sense? Yeah, <laughs> I feel it's pretty rambly there, but no, it just helps you move around in the scene. And if you think about, like you said, in a lot of TV shows, you wouldn't watch the entire meeting between two people; you'd keep hopping right. back and forth. I think some people can get intimidated by that because it means that are all these scenes taking place at the same time? Um, okay. Is my answer to that? <laughs> yeah, the short answer is indeed it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, if you're recording the game, I think it can be more confusing for an audience if that's not the case, but just make it more yeah, clear. I don't know about that. Keep, We've all seen Tenet by now. We're all confused by everything. We can figure it out. Uh, I, Serena, the Williams sisters, both of them, are great in tennis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, although, uh, uh, <laughs> I only know like three tennis players, so this joke doesn't work out very well. Uh, John McEnroe yells. All right, um, Andre Agassi's hearing. Okay. So, so there's that. We didn't touch much on the mechanical thing, and I know in part because we don't play as many games that, that are heavily based around like the mechanics. And even right now, in the D&D game you're playing with Marisa, it's just her. Mm-hmm. So you're not really splitting the party almost at all. Right. Um, in, the one, in one of the games that I played, we did split the party. Oh, yeah. Fighting those orcs. Um, but... Mechanically, do you have any suggestions on how to deal with the mechanical fear of if I split the party, well, then the cleric and the wizard are together and the thief and the fighter are together and they need one another. I see what you mean. Um, yeah, I don't know. My solution to that is don't, I don't play those games as much as, I, as much as possible. So, hmm, I don't know. I think... Um, Yeah, I don't know. I feel like if 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 they design a good game, then that shouldn't be a problem. You don't need to have a 
minimum number of players here. So I don't know. I'm, that's really poor advice. <laughs> Do you have any suggestions? The, I guess the thing that I would say is just don't be married to the encounter you already planned on. Hmm. Um, and so if you're scared that, well, the characters split the party up, um, and if they split the party up, then when they go into that room that has the five orcs in there, well, now there's only two of them, and those orcs are going to kill them, or, those, or it's going to take forever. Maybe there just aren't five orcs in there at the moment. Hmm. Maybe there's fewer of them. Maybe some of the orcs are sleeping. Maybe some of the orcs are out having lunch somewhere. Uh, maybe one of the orcs is talking to his ex-wife on the phone and is like, she's my daughter too, Deborah. <laughs> uh, he's really distracted. Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, so there's that. Um, I would also not... If the players want to split up, I don't think you should try to rein them in and keep like keep them together. I think that that is the kind of stuff that people get bothered by. Um, when it's like, oh... Where it's like the accusations of railroading. Mm-hmm. Um, you control this stuff. If you want to run a game that's kind of more harsh, just encourage them. You can run away. Like, there's too many times in, especially in a lot of these games, where once you start a thing, and it's partially like ego takes over, but there's too many times where you're like, well, I've started down this path. I have to keep going down this path. I cannot leave mm-hmm. um, in the dungeon world game that was based on that old second edition beginners box set thing right. dungeons and dragon balls yeah one of the things that I was super surprised with was at some point the characters just got their asses handed to them and they just ran away like they ran back to town to recuperate and then went back to the dungeon and I thought that was awesome like I thought that made that so much more interesting than if they just kept fighting tooth and nail um so just kind of really just let people know that that is an option and if you go into this room and it's only the fighter and the thief and there's five orcs in there and maybe it's not gonna it's not gonna happen just tell them like you need to leave like you've got to get at like make it clear to them like if if you're seeing like maybe let them go around or so uh fighting these orcs and then make it clear like it's not going to happen. These guys are going to flank you in some way or another, or one of them's going to be able to disarm you or disable you or do something like that. There's too many of them. Yeah. I, I uh, totally agree there. I think I'm usually resistant to... I, I feel I'm in definitely the minority here, but I'm resistant to changing a... Like, you know, for, in your example, like, oh, there's only two orcs here. Uh, I don't have a great reason for it, but I just... Um, try to let, you know, the players be responsible for their own, you know, choices, I guess. But I, I totally see the the, reason, the rationale behind it. Like, you just described it very well. But uh, I think I'm way more prone to be like, oh, wow, this is pretty rough. Might be retreat time, huh? Yeah, I think that's... We've come back to it a bunch of times in these advice sh- things. It's like being upfront with the stakes yeah. and what's going on is so much better and sometimes it's it's kind of bothersome for you like again egos get in the way of like well this is such a well-designed dungeon that i made right or this dungeon is so cool that's why i bought the the dope supplement like that it's, <laughs> it's tough for you to back off and just admit like 
yeah, you're right. This isn't going to really work out. You're going to have to do something else. Come back later. Figure something else out. And then the cool thing is, uh, and this happened in that Dungeons and Dragon Balls game, it's like, all right, well, now that that went on, when they come back, the dungeon isn't the same. Mm-hmm. Because these orcs knew that these folks showed up. Maybe now they have guards looking around for them. Yeah. Maybe they set traps up that weren't there before. Um, if, you want, if you want to move through things quickly, maybe just have it be the same. But uh, yeah. if the fear is just the mechanics of these characters are going to get their asses kicked, maybe just encourage them that they don't have to fight everything. Yeah, I, I'm a huge uh, proponent of, of that. You just said, like, the uh, when you leave the dungeon, it doesn't pause. Like, we're not playing World of Warcraft, and that's why I'm not playing it. Like, having the, you know, the repercussions and the, the change of your, the consequences, I guess, of your actions occur is super interesting to me, even when it fucks me over. Like, <laughs> like that example would probably do. It's really interesting to, as a player, to kind of have the... Uh, you know, the ability to change the world, even if it ends up killing me. Love that Eric Clapton song. <laughs> change the world. I think that's Eric Clapton. Sure. Um, I got the Eric Clapton once. Clear it up, though. Yeah. That's why they charged us at that uh, house that we rented for that to- toilet cleanup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, so... Uh, when it comes to splitting the party, I'd say don't be afraid to do it. To recap, if you can have other players, make sure that if even if they're not in the scene, that they have some kind of buy-in, whether by playing NPCs or contributing to what's going on, um, or having their characters be the subject of what is going on. Um, uh, when it comes to sharing screen time, Try to hop back and forth. You don't need to finish an entire scene. It's easier to do that, but it's less interesting, and it means that you have players that are sitting there for 40 minutes an hour just waiting as other people are playing. Um, Try to maybe hop around on big elements uh, or big moments in the story, a cliffhanger, a reveal, that kind of thing. Anytime a a dice result happens. Yeah, um, and mechanically, uh, don't be afraid to change stuff up. But also, um, just be upfront with the players that you can split up, and that's fine. And if you encounter something that's a, a problem, uh, maybe you just can't deal with it. Split up. I'd also suggest just to tack onto that. I know I'm supposed to be wrapping up right now, but maybe um, if you're doing that, where it's like, yeah, you won't be able to get through this room of orcs if you split up. You have to all be together in order to fight these in that same dungeon, have another situation where they have to split up to make it interesting, where it's like, no, the thief needs to go over here and do this thing on their own. They're the on- they're the they're the halfling, they're the only one who can fit through the air duct. Mm-hmm. This dungeon has central, yeah, central air. Um, it, it's the Nakatomi Tower dungeon. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bruce... They're barefoot. Bruce the halfling. halfling. Yeah, he's barefoot. Um yeah, and we've already seen Alan Rickman play a wizard, yeah. so it works out. It writes itself. It, this, this, damn, this movie's good. <laughs> All right, so cool. So that's the idea of splitting the party. Thanks for listening to this exciting episode of This American Dice Presents GM Advice. Today's topic was splitting the party. 
Join us next week when we talk about how to make bad guys, villains, scary. How to make encounters with them interesting and talk about Star Wars for way longer than we need to. See you next week, folks. If you can like, subscribe, rate the show, that'd be fantastic. Otherwise, tell a friend. Now for a little message from another podcast. That's right, Fire Breathing Kittens. Are you itching for a good story? Laughter among friends, maybe even a mystery or two? Well, you're in luck. Fire Breathing Kittens is a standalone Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Each episode is a separate three-hour-long story, like a movie for your ears, so you can listen to these adventures in any order you like. So, join us on a real play D&D quest as we solve mysteries, attempt comedic banter, and enjoy friendship. Fire Breathing Kittens podcast. Fantasy action. Mystery. Friendship.